leadership advantage isn't some magic trick or silver bullet to instant success, but we're sharing the trivia, tips, tales and troubles of the behavioural neuroscience of expert leadership so that you can unlock your talent, unstuck your true potential and unleash your performance so that you can have joy at work and your team has unity of cohesion and effort to achieve good success. The Paradox of Potential on Becoming All That You Can Be I vividly remember my school term report from my art teacher. John shows no potential whatsoever for art. I knew that wasn't any good art. Not in any conventional sense anyway. But this hurt. I was 11 years old. I put my aspirations of being the next Andy Warhol on hold and only dared take up cartooning at the tender age of 55 when I found a great teacher. Seems that I did have some potential after all. Or was it the teacher who lacked potential? Potential. As a noun, it means latent qualities or abilities that may be developed and lead to future success or usefulness. As an adjective, potential is having or showing the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. It's important to be clear because potential often gets confused with talent and mixed up with drive, ambition and confidence and possibly worse it gets confused with high academic grades. Potential is much more than just knowledge or the ability to score well in exams. The purpose of this guide is we'll consider what are the components of potential so that we can distinguish between them and choose to develop those that will provide you with the greatest chance of succeeding in your endeavours. To do so, I'll introduce you to the components of potential so that you can unstuck those areas that may be holding you back. And the payoff? This will provide you with a roadmap to unstuck and develop your true potential to achieve your success in life and work. When I was growing up, like you, parents, teachers and other adults perpetuated a myth that if I did well in school, that this would enable me to go to a good college or university and thus get a good job. Doing well in school meant getting A grades. Anything less was not so good and would inevitably mean I was doomed for some subpar career and less success. Personally, I wasn't that bothered. I looked at all these adults with their successful careers and saw how miserable they were. 
That wasn't the type of success that I was after. I'd rather do something I enjoyed, found meaningful and was good enough to earn a decent living. These decades later and I see the myth perpetuates that good grades equals high potential and competence and competency are often confused with confidence, drive, ambition and other qualities or capacities like connections, money. Often they're deemed more important than abilities in determining if you are high potential. Let me introduce you to the components of potential. So your true potential is much, much more than how much knowledge you have. Through our extensive research over the past four decades, we've identified six significant components of potential that individually and together make a difference in your future success. On the show notes, you'll find a fabulous diagram of some cogs so I can clearly show you how these interact with each other. But let me just go through them for now. One is knowledge. It's what you know and how much you know. Two, skills and abilities. What you can do both technically, your competence, and behaviourally, your competency. Thirdly, we've got relationships and connections. To whom are you connected? Who you know and who knows you? Fourthly, you've got your resources. What resources you have that include money. Fifthly, we've got time. How well you manage your time and prioritise. And sixth, place location, where you are in the world and what access you have to other places. The importance that other people place on each component determines how they perceive your true potential. There are other elements of who you are and what you do that do matter to some people and that can play a critical role in their perception of your potential and this includes your race, your ethnicity, your nationality, your gender and your religious affiliation. Now these may be prejudicial biases however they remain a real factor of how some people perceive others and their potential to perform and be successful. It's not what you know or what you do, it's who you know. I think I heard this first from my godfather, who'd been a captain in the British Army. I've heard it many times since, and I'm sure that you've heard it many times as well. We hear it a lot because it rings true to our experience in life. It is a sad reality that there are a lot of leaders in all sectors of society who appear to lack the skills and abilities to lead or manage well. You've almost certainly had the pleasure of working for such an organisation. 
These individuals are often held out as examples of people with high potential, often because they manage to score very well in some school or university exams. More often, because they are wealthy or connected to someone higher up in the organisation or related to somebody important in society. For some, it's because they are adept at the skill of politicking and choosing to build the relationships that will, and do, further their career. For others, they were simply at the right place at the right time. Is this fair? Well, not for anyone who hasn't been blessed with being born into the right family in the right place, with the access to those relationships, wealth and the best schools, etc. But you can develop your potential in these areas. But the phrase isn't quite correct. It's not what you know or what you do or who you know. It's who knows you. See, back in the day, it was the old boys network. If you were in, fantastic. If you were not, tough. And you might think that this is dead and buried, or should be. Ah, not so fast, young Padawan. It's alive and well. I've sat in on many senior management meetings where an open position is being discussed and the question raised is rarely who has the right knowledge and skills to be the best candidate for this position. The question presented is along the lines who do we know who? If you want that position you need to be known by the right people. If you want to be successful in that position, you will also need the knowledge, the skills, the abilities, the resources, the relationships, time and be at the right place. But before you go embarking on your great networking gold rush, think about this. It's easier today than ever to become known, even insta-famous. Though perhaps being known for being known isn't quite what we're after. Known in professional circles should be the right ticket. Well, in the early noughties began the great networking rush. BNI had been founded by Ivan Meisner back in the mid-80s. Freemasonry began way back in 1717. But it was the launch of LinkedIn in 2003 that made networking accessible across the globe. Facebook launched in 2004 and in 2006 we heard our first tweet. Connections, followers or friends became king. However, having thousands of connections to virtual strangers is only useful if the right connections know you and, critically, remember you when that opportunity is presented. And more often than not, you've previously done something for those individuals. I call such people my butlers, 
as in the butler or the cupbearer in the story about Joseph in Genesis chapters 40 and 41. I continue to be shocked when I hear from an old connection who's been out of contact for a long time, busy with their very successful career, and then they suddenly reach out, asking for work or an introduction because, well, they've lost their job. So here's a great tip. If you want others to help you when you may be in need, help them now while you can, and keep in touch regularly. I think it's Walter Winchell who's credited as saying he's a scandal master on on a life philosophy. It pays to be nice to the people you meet on the way up, for they are the same people you meet on the way down. So how do you go about getting that job at HQ? Many of my coaching clients over the years embarked on their coaching in part to prepare them for getting and keeping a prized role in the company headquarters. They already possess the technical knowledge, skills and abilities to get to here, to their current level. They have a high TQ or technical quotient, and this is what got them to their current position. They often have some key MQ, managerial quotient, and LQ, leadership quotient, that helped to get them here. But to get there, they need something more. And in particular, they need to be known for what they are capable of doing now and in the future by the very people who will be determining that future. That is, they need the right people at HQ to know them and respect what they are capable of being and to trust that they will look even better for backing this person and that the organisation will benefit. In short, you need to be purposefully strategic in building and maintaining your relationships. So what is the paradox of potential? Well, I've seen this in many organisations and governments. The brightest and best are identified by school or university grade school as part of the high potential pool. There's some fanfare, a suite of training programmes, perhaps MBAs are taken and the hypos are promoted. Meanwhile, the non-high potential morale has sunk. Many have quit or actively seeking new positions. Commitment has dropped and performance suffered. The hypos, being initially highly driven and very well paid, take this upon themselves and make up for the loss, working extra hard and many burning out. There follows a new initiative to regain the work-life balance and a big drive to retain high potentials. The non-high potentials C-grade average, meantime, have found new roles in more forward-thinking and egalitarian organisations, or founded a possible unicorn and look to hire good workers. People who can read well, memorise well and test well and follow process. 
that would be the A students. The B students end up in the government because the government don't want free-thinking creative visionaries in what is essentially an admin job. And they can't afford the A students. Why A students work for C students and why B students work for the government, wrote Robert T. Kiyosaki in his Rich Man's Guide to Education for Parents. Potential is not just good grades, nor is it just your skills and abilities, nor is it just relationships, nor just how well you manage your priorities and time, nor just what resources and money you have at your disposable. And nowadays, with virtual and hybrid working becoming normal, your location matters a lot less. Your true potential are the latent qualities and abilities you have that can be developed for your future success. That is, your true potential is a simple case of knowing and aligning what you have now that can be developed and what you want to be doing in your future success. So on developing your potential, or being purposefully strategic in building and maintaining your relationships is not the only area you need to focus attention. It is critical in this world, but all of it is moot if you lack the skills you need to be successful in your chosen future role. Your first step is to know where you are now and where you want to be. We have some tools, assessments and techniques we use to help our clients, and I'll be sharing some of these with you in How to Unstuck Your True Potential. Come back for that next edition, How to Unstuck Your True Potential. Visit us over at leadershipadvantage.com and do share this with anyone who would like to have some joy at work. Be blessed. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Leadership Advantage. If you'd like to learn more about how you can unlock your talent, unstuck your potential, and unleash your performance so that you can have joy at work and your team can have cohesion of unity and effort for good success, then visit us at leadershipadvantage.com.